two and two and one. Oh, shucks, I can't dance. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Open Gov, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories about what open government and open data look like. My name is Richard Pietro, and I am joined by Jean-Marc Laflamme. He is the founder of Smart Villages and a smart cities designer for rural communities. He is also the director of product marketing and business development for DealPoint, which is North America's first equity crowdfunding platform to connect companies with private capital, as well as Intergen, uh, a matchmaking platform for companies and business talent. However, what is particularly notable about Jean-Marc's career is that he was one of the first webmasters back in the 90s for Industry Canada, Industry Canada and Export Development Canada. And Jean-Marc is here because I wanted to ask him how much things have changed since the 90s in terms of government engagement and online presence, as well as why it's important to market open gov and open data so we can bring about the change government and society sorely needs. Hello, Jean-Marc, and thanks for being here. Hello, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you were one of the Canadian government's first webmasters. How did that all happen? Yeah, that was uh, the old 90s, being at the right place at the right time, going to University of Ottawa, of course, and and uh, in, in that first year, taking political science um, and and uh, volunteering for my hometown MP, uh, Parliament Hill, and seeing, wow, this is quite the system they've got here. I would read uh, constituents' letters and take that take the information and put it into a spreadsheet for the uh, MP to then glean on um, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I, uh, I started uh, um, uh, volunteering as well for the United Nations. And uh, it was at that point where I got a little bit of money from my, my lovely grandmother to buy a computer and hook it up to the internets. And uh, it was a great time back then to be a pioneer in the internet and, and learn by collaborating with individuals that we somehow collided with in Ottawa. And you know, a great thing about being in a government town, obviously, uh, they were some of the first ones to get on to the, to the internet and use it uh, appropriately to share information from different departments. So my first job became uh, working in a web team, converting uh, Word documents into HTML uh, for foreign affairs, and it was back then working with 20 people where we really saw the potential of the of digital technology to extend that information to citizens around uh, Canada and the world, and in for foreign affairs um, aspect, and reaching out on a global scale to inform. Uh, but truly, it needed to become uh, way more interactive. And uh, so, yeah, that was uh, back then. I quickly moved into uh, webmaster roles uh, from being a web developer into a uh, designer as well, uh, and then into webmaster for Industry Canada. Um, and I helped build the first smart communities program. If anybody uh, will remember, um, only a few do. 
but before the smart cities, actually there was a smart communities movement under Industry Canada, and uh, I was part of that and giving um, you know a, a few million bucks to various communities around the country to activate those communities with uh, cool technologies to uh, you know at first just uh, you know extend the digital presence into everybody's lives on a local level. And um, and then I worked, um, I got a job at Export Development Canada as webmaster and building very robust e-commerce platforms uh, to service business uh, and exports to the global stage. So you were obviously neck deep when it came to online presence for the Canadian government in, the, in those early days. And I'm curious to know, how did... How, how, what was sort of the, the government mantra when it came to the internet? You said they were one of the first adopters, but how did they see on how to use the internet? You mentioned that, you know, converting documents, for example, was one of the things that they wanted, wanted to use the internet for. Like, how did the government want to use the internet back then? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's difficult to, to, to remember what the government wanted to do versus what we as hackers wanted to do. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still a hacker. I, you know, I'm a growth hacker and in, in different ways nowadays more than ever. Um, and back then we were hackers, a bunch of people, you know, with no prior experience, uh, but a, certainly a passion and a love uh, for Internet technologies as you are with open government. Um, and we got in there and hacked the system. Uh, but what government wanted to do, I don't know. I, I, I think, think they were well, you know, they were unaware of what its full potential was. But I can tell you way back then, um, us hackers, you know, we were sitting there and saying, wow, this is what it should be. And what it should be never came to fruition until the open government movement finally saw the light of day. And uh, and now, um, you know, a, a, a great popularity around smart cities and its application in, uh, in community environment. So uh, one more question before we start transitioning the conversation a little bit here. But you were working for the government. You were creating sort of online content for them. Can you describe the process, some of the mechanics on, on creating that content in terms of getting approvals, actually, you know, drafting pages, design approvals as well? Like we want this blue, yeah. no, we want it red or template creation. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So again, it was it was a while ago, but what 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 I do remember is uh, certainly we had a set of standards, um, and that's why you see every government site uh, pretty much the same, especially from the feds. Um, and um, and so that's important to template this environment so that um, it's easy enough for citizens to grasp. Uh, we get that component, uh, but um, you know the flip side, yeah, you know, I mean. So to be clear, that process was pretty regimental in terms of the the, the type of uh, content that we would post. Um, there wasn't anything very creative about it. It was just taking a variety of content from communications people um, and posting it into a template environment that had uh, a look and feel just like you see today. <laughs> it's kind of like what you see with government buildings. I like to make the analogy, right? If we're, we're stuck in Parmalum Hill, in these boxes that were the same freaking boxes, boxes from mm. 
from 100 years ago. Like the, this MP that sits in their box is the same box that existed 100 years ago. And, uh, and the same thing with the government sites. Um, they haven't evolved that much. I mean, now they're beginning to experiment. And I'm, you know, very, very uh, happy to have met um, a variety of open government and open data activists in the, in the federal government. And I've seen the program we have seen collectively. Um, the, you know, the, the, the general public has now seen the government reaching out with these programs and we're excited. Um, so that, that, um, that's a, that's a, that's a serious change in pace. Um, and to compare to, you know, what we've experienced traditionally with government. So you've obviously come to embrace the entrepreneurial spirit, crowdfunding practices, smart cities, and obviously the values of open government, open data. So you mentioned a few times that it's taken a long time for government to sort of come around. So mm-hmm. I've got to ask you, why do you think that is? Yeah, well, I think it, it takes a while for government to innovate. Um, and that's just the nature of the beast. That is going to change. I think everybody in government will feel that. We're all facing that as Canadians. Look, well, you know, every single day with COVID, um, there's mass changes. And, uh, you, you know, that, that just in the past, because our, our brains think linear, uh, but technology is exponential. And in fact, a lot of other things around us are exponential. COVID is exponential. Technology um, is, is exponential. And, 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 and so it, it's now all of us in it together to try and figure out how we're building new infrastructures to make sure that we can evolve and change rapidly. So it never did exist because actually we had it pretty good as Canadians, living off the land, making a lot of money off natural resources. Um, but a lot of infrastructure is beginning to cave with the climate crisis and, uh, and people are dissatisfied with the existing, uh, um, uh, communication and, and, uh, government infrastructure. And so it's up to us to kind of rally together and collaborate on new systems to expedite and streamline. Like we always have, it just needs to happen faster these days. (laughs) Well, I got a question for you related to that in terms of the slow, uptake you mentioned that is just sort of how government works would you say that or would you recommend perhaps that if we had marketed these values of smart cities crowdfunding open gov open data if we had done a better job of selling that as as a way to for government to to be that maybe we would have adopted or government would have adopted those values much quicker yeah, I think there's two things like, you know, marketing is now mattering. Um, you know, marketing is a creative way of interpreting um, uh, it, it, communications and ultimately experience. Uh, people need this experience on the ground and rural and urban Canada. And so the marketing aspect of things has gotten totally saturated uh, courtesy of social media giants, but also major companies around the world that are get, getting your attention. There's a finite amount of ability for us to maintain attention on things. And as you can imagine, the billionaires will always win because they're going to come out with powerful marketing communications um, to to get you to buy things, to do things and, and onwards, right? So um, for, for us, 
in, in OpenGov and smart cities, we need to extend a new experience so that people in the ground and communities can get it, touch it, feel it. And so that's why I quite like the implementation and, and experimentation of smart cities technology, even on a, on a local level for people to get the importance of open data and open government and, and, uh, and the whole system flows perfectly. So the marketing aspect really does have to flow with a like cutting edge. I say cutting edge instead of like, um, you know, your, your traditional digital technology. We need new ways of creating interactive platforms, which visualizes in a dashboard instead of blog posts, um, a nice design that, that gets you to understand the importance of that data set and into its uh, ultimate application today and futurescaping for the next 10 years, because that's going to happen faster than we imagine as exponential growth. In, in a previous podcast, we had a, a different marketer by the name of Keith Liu. He used to work for Microsoft Canada. Yeah. And now he's a in-class entrepreneur for York Schulich School of uh, Business. And he had mentioned that it used to be in the past that sort of you had your marketing team and you had a product team and they were very much separated and distance, uh, distant from each other. But now more, more than ever, they have to be intertwined. They have to work together because yeah. both have as much of an input as to what the other will have to do. Yeah, exactly. They like, you, you know, marketing these days is, uh, is, is science driven and data from the product uh, directly into the creative brain of, of uh, us artists uh, that then take it and, uh, and, and fuse it into messaging. And it's this giant cycle of feedback from you know the, the the customer to the stakeholder to the company to the partners and onwards right so we we're, we're trying to build these you know big companies the googles of the world have robust uh feedback and and uh and product cycles uh which ensure almost real-time product development and uh, that's what we need for Canadians. We need that information and uh, knowledge management instead of this one-way street of media, which is kind of falling apart of the scenes, if you haven't noticed, independent media especially, um, that one-way street of blog posts uh, to a two-way two street where there's civic engagement tools in place um, and the governments and the business development organizations authenticate this feedback loop and stop being gatekeepers and middlemen <laughs> and just let that innovation flow and encourage the experimental grounds to occur so that uh, we can all play on the same playing field. So most of the, the people that you'll find in the open government, open data and smart cities community are practitioners, right? They're great yeah. policy wonks. They're great at creating programs and initiatives but they're not necessarily marketers in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. So my next question for you is like, do you have any recommendations on the first steps that we as a community of practitioners should start doing to market open gov, open data, smart cities to a larger audience? Yeah. So, um, it, like, I think the, the, the answer is, um, experimenting, 
and and that's the key to everything. I think you know the the low hanging fruit these days are um, you know the civic hackathons that have occurred for quite some time that are becoming far more playful and innovative um, to get people to experiment with data sets and and exponential technologies together in the real world for, as a format. Uh, so get out of the building. Um, I think that's the key thing is to, uh, for, for on, on my side, what I do now is kind of help uh, start these co-working and innovation centers in Western Canada, which get all these professionals together. And strategically, we try and uh, position these co-working spaces right next to City Hall. And uh, by osmosis, amazing things will happen. Um, people come together and collaborate and work together on public-private projects. Um, and ultimately, that's the success. We have to get um, all of the bureaucrats out of the building into into the into the real world. Um, and uh, we're here. We're ready to work together. We're all happy Canadians, um, even. Through the times of crisis, we're super opportunistic and op optimistic about what this change could do, but we have to get together. And right now, it's the virtual environment, and um, I, I feel like we're, I'm way more connected than I've ever been uh, because we're actually using these virtual tools to collaborate in, in a format and now extend to, um, to, to getting citizens of all kinds to weigh in on what that is instead of just a program in a silo in a committee room um, uh, that is tested with a small group of people unknowingly to the rest of Canada. One of the things that, that I often talk about in my presentations is that unlike you mentioned Google earlier and some of these larger corporations, they see the value in having a marketing team even though in and of itself, it's technically a cost center. Um, the government may have a communications team, but they, mm -hmm. they definitely do not have a, a marketing team. Mm -hmm. Do you see the value of, of actually having a bona fide marketing team inside a government agency? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think, again, in the, in the ultimate decentralization game, which we're moving towards, we're decentralizing everything. <laughs> um, everything gets disrupted and every industry gets disrupted in the next 10 years, including the disruptors and everything gets decentralized. So no longer do we have marketing teams inside of organizations. Actually, the days of I, like it was 10 years ago where I left the whole like, hey, we got this marketing team and we're going to push out um, creative recipe to the world. Actually, no, marketing is done by our ambassadors and our customers. Um, so it's the programming around that that marketing to leave yesteryear's programming mm. and infuse into, uh, you know, civic engagement and and empowering ambassadors around the country. Uh, Future Cities Canada does a, you know, a good job at, at getting started uh, with the Community Solutions Network across the country. Um, uh, Intelligent Community Forum is another one which has ambassadors around the world uh, with a much more flexible environment um, uh, to get people motivated about what uh, government can do and uh, the type of innovations that's coming from the private sector and how citizens can engage with all this and co-design their communities. So, so yeah, in a nutshell, yeah, in a nutshell, marketing inside of 
of gov for sure an understanding of what modern marketing is uh but unleash the power to 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 really get marketing communications collaboration experience um uh, for 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 you know citizens to take on so then and i'm just asking for clarification here yeah. would you characterize then marketing as originally being sort of viewed as a very specific skill set for that is honed by specific people to now marketing is more kind of like a soft skill that everyone should have like you know communication skills uh, you know yeah. planning abilities things of that nature yeah 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 you know the two top skills for humanity um in the next you know at least the next decade is is creativity and critical thinking right uh so you know where once this became the the the, the entire focus of a uh, creative individual whether you're an artist or a marketer um you know now it's 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 what a lot of people want to do the i want to also talk about you mentioned a few times now sort of the creation of ambassadors of open government yeah. and open data and how yeah. it's important for the public service to to get out there to get out of their offices get out of their buildings yeah and with the community but i, I want to challenge not necessarily challenge your thought i want to bring up an issue that currently exists a challenge a challenge that exists within the bureaucracy which is the convention the typical convention of a public servant is that it's not their job to go out into the community it is the job of the elected official and mm-hmm. the job of a public servant is to execute the plan of that elected official so there's a bit of a reluctance at least for those that are uninitiated to open government yeah. open data yeah. and smart cities to go out there because they don't see it as their role yeah how first of all it sounds as though you agree with my view here yeah yeah absolutely yeah you're right and i think it's it's up to the up to the humans that do the job that uh, that they would like to make the decision if they choose to be in uh, their work environment under the current situation that's great if they don't then give them the freedom to operate anywhere look in in a couple of years we're going to have satellite internet beam to every single corner of canada you know hopefully we'll pave the way towards affordable living uh and and you know wh- why you know that the era of having everybody in giant offices are you know at least now uh coming to an abrupt end and people are understanding how they can operate virtually from home the comforts of their home or in smaller co-working spaces or different groups and you know the, this has been the lifestyle as you know for a lot of the world flying around every single direction for the past many years to collaborate with other individuals around the world and now uh from covid we're able to plug them in to the matrix <laughs> and <laughs> in a virtual environment uh so that we can cross pollinate in in much better ways so i think everybody needs to do that decision is up to the to um to the the, the government um uh, uh employees and and uh and and ultimately the the citizens that kind of work together and and finding these new models but i i think there's you know every way and every tool um that we have in the digital technology environment for cross pollination to happen far better than you know what we what we'd experienced in the past 5 years with flying all over the place which is you know with the climate crisis becoming a big uh uh big faux pas 
So along those lines, you mentioned something earlier when you were talking about your early days as a webmaster with the government and as a web developer that you sort of, there was two, two lines of thought. You had what the government wanted to do and what the, the hackers thought the government should be doing. Yeah. Let's say you're in that same position right now, or let's say back in those 90s, a pandemic like COVID-19 presents itself and government has to force its hands. What would yeah. you have said, what does that 90s hacker say to the government today that it is perhaps different or similar than what you would have said to the government 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, so... You know, we're in the same boat again. Um, you know, it's back back then as hackers were like, let's just open up all this data. Let's go. I got to convert as many Word documents as possible to HTML to get this uh, content prior to social media <laughs> uh, out on the internets for thousands to see. And uh, in this day and age, in a hyper-connected world with a supercomputer in our pocket, uh, we're now able to get all that information. But the thing is, is that it's still the one-way street. We've got government issuing, you know, releases and using multimedia in one direction and social media trying. They weren't, they weren't, you know, they didn't expect to take on the lion's share of all community development work, but that's what they were given the keys to and they made billions of and now shareholders are holding this accountable for so, you know, how now as a hacker, we have these tools to engage uh, in a whole new level to present communities with smart cities dashboards on exactly what the health of is of their community. I think right now we're, we're, we're speculating at nauseum using everybody's, you know, everybody's opinion in the fire hose on a on a channel that's been overstressed and you know the same thing can exist with a you know a lot of old infrastructure before it fails and so now the hackers of today are saying look we've got all these tools um let's start using them um and testing them out so that the next virus undoubtedly when it will happen we're positioned with smart cities dashboards to actually understand the facts per community it's not this giant multi like multi week could be multi-month process of a roller coaster uh with government getting a certain data set and the citizens getting a whack of everything right so, so how are we optimizing the flow of information and that's basically what we did back then in the 90s how are we how are we optimizing the flow of information from government to citizens and now with all sorts of really cool tools uh, we can really cycle this into a beautiful feedback loop. And I think that's the problem a little bit. And that's why I keep talking about marketing, open gov and open data. You mentioned these, you mentioned these um, dashboards, these smart cities dashboards. I know there's at least two that exist. I use them frequently in my training and workshops. And that's the city of Toronto has a dashboard. Yeah. And the city of Edmonton has a really great dashboard. Yeah. But I would be shocked if even between those two cities, a thousand people knew about them. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, so and that's what I mean in terms of like, there's a lot of great programs and initiatives that are being put out there, but nobody knows about them. Yeah. What does the government need to do to get these great open data sets out there, these great dashboards out there? So like this, the communities, so like this residents and citizens 
can know about them and use them effectively. Yeah, it was nothing like a good virus to shake things up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I speak, first of all, in, in all seriousness, it's crazy what uh, healthcare workers um, and Canadians and people around the world are having to endure. Uh, but it's also uh, making us realize, um, okay, how are we going to optimize that flow? Um, because we, we've just started with these dashboards and they're not known. And in fact, we weren't giving the attention because we were addicted and we still are um, obscenely addicted to these social media channels. Um, so I think the collective, uh, the collective world has uh, slowly woken up to this over the past uh, few years, especially uh, that we've given away our oil, the data um, for harvesting. And now you know, how are we actually going to um, initiate this collaboratively? And there's a lot of organizations that get it. Um, like I said, I mentioned earlier a few. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what is that program for, for, for standing ground and saying, we, we've got our own technology up here, just like we've done our own thing forever. Um, how do we begin to, you know, like turn, turn, turn on that Canadian technology so that we can have civic engagement in place and um, a really great platform. Uh, a place speak out of Vancouver has been doing it for a decade and working with municipal governments to open up data and, and engagement um, in, in different ways. Now there's a whole plethora of you know, different dashboards that you can plug into so people can quickly visualize. Um, but it's just not mainstream yet. And so that collective revolution that you're part of, uh, that your, your listeners are part of, is something that I think we can we can piece together, um, and uh, now more than ever is critical to get the solutions to communities on affordable living and uh, uh, exponential health um, and um, all sorts of great new economic opportunities that we can drive go forward. So earlier you were very kind in giving us some of the what can be referred to as best practices for mm -hmm. marketing open government, open data, which is go out into the community, create some experiences and, and, uh, and, and really sort of think creatively and, and experiment. Yeah. What would be sort of the other end of that question, which is what are some things that we, as we try to market open government and open data should avoid doing or sort of like mistakes that rookie marketers frequently do? Yeah, rookie marketers. I mean, like, you know, I think um, there is, you know, obviously, I mentioned a lot about um, social media, I think, um, you know, people do deep by default, and it's not your fault. It's, it's the fact that it's a giant, just like a dictatorship would walk in and, and blast its population with the message and one state-owned media companies to do that i mean the same thing just existed with social media right so it's not your fault that you're addicted to social media and that by default you just think i'm going to post on social media i'm going to make a post and i'm going to get out to the peoples <laughs> well it actually doesn't happen anymore right you can you're like well i didn't hear about this and i didn't get that it's because we just like the, the, the amount of data and content that flows in these channels is just ginormous and it cannot be received by the, what, by, by what people want and nor is it tailored even with algorithms appropriately, as you can well know. Right. So that's the mistake 
that people make and and thinking oh i gotta get on social media this is how i can engage and and get out to people uh but no it isn't it is actually about understanding the landscape in a much deeper level and saying okay here's the ecosystem here's all the partners here are my competitors here are my um, collaborators and how are we all going to work together and how am I going to reach out? Yeah, using social media at times to engage, but all sorts of other physical and virtual uh, methods to create relationships, experience and grow trust and be transparent. Yeah. Um, you know, and 90 percent of people's thoughts and behaviors are driven by their unconscious minds. So people respond most to the dopamine rushes. <laughs> and and so when you tap into these emotional drivers that influence how people feel about themselves and the world around you you influence this behavior so this is what this new experience is all about um, it's not about marketing it's about mattering how do you get and create these relationships experiences offline and online um, and uh, and create a new positive uh, outflow with something tangible so from open government then produces a fantastic new experimental city with universal ba basic income and all of the star trek tools that we have uh, as an experiment right and, and you know that's what google um and, and sidewalk labs would like to do with a little neighborhood in toronto saying look here's what we could do with waterfront toronto and as an experiment on 10 or so acres and and get people excited about what the possibility is for you know optimizing this information from data to physical garbage collection and 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 so that's it it's um it's the actual tangible experience on the ground that needs to be connected to these to these virtual tools that really create um marketing it's uh, marketing is not about that making that post anymore <laughs> yeah just it's going to take more than just putting it out there going viral takes a lot more work than you think it does oh yeah look at that all these people that have go viral on youtube um it's either by accident or you know with you know, m you know millions of dollars behind them to make that program happen yeah i want to go back real quick uh, you mentioned sidewalk labs we got to start thinking about wrapping up the episode but i always frequently used Star Trek The Next Generation as this idyllic future that we can aim and strive towards. But much like what I think Sidewalk Labs you were saying is trying to accomplish, but what you don't see in Star Trek is all the regulations and the laws in the background that should Ooh. be in place to protect individuals, protect privacy, protect data, yeah. while still giving access. And I think that's the problem sometimes is that we get too excited with technology and don't think about the ramifications. Um, but we're, we're growing, we're learning, and, and I think uh, there's some really smart people that are making sure that we're protected. Oh yeah, God, yeah. This whole, like this has been a multi-year process of stakeholders uh, off, offline and online, and I know them, um, and how they've engaged throughout this entire process and learned. I mean, None of this is, you know, they, they, they be, we're not walking into this um, as, as so-called experts. These are brand new experiments. Make no 
no, make no mistake. So uh, even with engagement, we're going into these and saying, okay, look, here's what this party wants and this is what this side wants. And you go into it with trust and, and mutual respect for each side. And then, you know, a year later, all of the stories come out, get spun by media in a different way and slander. And, and so there's a different um, understanding of things. But through all of that fire, we'll grow a better product before it's launched. But we do need to experiment. And that experiment could go sideways, but that's okay because we're all watching it happen in Canada and the world. So you can say, ah, great, I'm going to take that. I'm going to do it this way with this kind of engagement process and these kinds of strict open data standards and policies and these kinds of technologies that are directly applicable to my city. Not every solution is the same and they're all going to be wildly different. I like to work with small rural communities on very, very... Uh, different um, uh, implementations that are meaningful versus the big city. And um, it's fun to experiment. All right. So like I said, we sort of got to start wrapping up here. And I want to give you a chance. Is there anything that uh, we've covered a lot of things, but is there anything that you feel we haven't explored enough or that we should bring up before we conclude? Um, I think it's uh, really great that everybody in this day and age um, and through all of the crisis, uh, crises, uh, that we're going to experience, um, in the next couple of years are, are coming together. Um, and again, we've got Canadian built technology that's here to service. Um, and it's really important, um, to, to kind of put all of this, um, this standard protocol aside of like, Hey, government or Hey, a corporation can't market or talk about um, these other players. And so we all have to say, look, this is a critical time in humanity with the climate crisis and COVID and the recession for us to say, look, here are some really great tools in the private world. We're ready here for you uh, to use, like start, start, you start using them and start playing with them. Um, instead of saying, no, we, we have to abide by certain rules and regulations over uh, what we can or cannot say. And so that's important. Um, and then showcasing these case studies around the country of people that are hacking the system. And yeah, let's all get together in a virtual format at first and then physically um, across the country to unravel what our future is faster than ever. I want to talk a little bit about you now for a moment, which is at the beginning and as part of the introduction, it looks as though you have a ton of projects going on right now. And in just in general, I think, um, would you like to tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I work with, um, companies around the world, but you know, just being geographic to, uh, British Columbia and neighboring Alberta, uh, for a long while I've been working at hacking the system. And as you know, explain a part of building the first uh, successful equity crowdfunding platform in North America. We raised capital for also a company out of Alberta. And now we're on to plugging in that software as a service for other companies to raise private capital. And we've also built a matchmaking service for senior business talent to meet scale up and startups um, because it's just, just 
one game of moving money around seamlessly and uh, and connecting people. Uh, so we're doing that as hackers in Alberta and in British Columbia. We're working as uh, communities to kind of create wonderful pieces of paradise that people want to visit, but ultimately we'd love to have them come and stay and work um, on, on the new economy. And uh, yeah, on a, on a global level, just making sure that I'm connected with uh, all of the cool smart cities out there. And uh, yeah, I work with the Intelligent Community Forum as a speaker and advisor to communities around the world um, and different companies as well. Well, good luck. Good luck with all that. And, and thank you so much for taking part in this interview and being so insightful with your answers. And I also want to thank our audience for listening. And as usual, please leave a rating or a comment on how to make the podcast better or if there's any guests or stories that you'd like to hear. So until next, so until next time, let's make it open. <laughs>